This is About Men Radio. It's not about all men, just us men. That's business. Religion. Religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a special list of 10 things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these 10 things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. That's the unbelievably talented George Carlin. May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. He's dead, right? He is dead, yeah. A yeah. few years ago now. A few years ago, yeah. He's talking about religion. And, and the thing that, the reason I started off with this. Why did you start off with this? Because it sort of encapsulates exactly how I'm feeling about religion and have for the last few years. And plus, emotionally and faith wise, strangely, I'm really rocked by the death of Prince. That's a weird intersection. It is. It's a little weird. But, you know, he was a really deeply, people probably don't know this, but he was a deeply religious guy. George Carlin was? No. Oh. Not George, definitely not George Carlin. <laughs> Prince lived that whole saint and sinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That dual lifestyle. And it got me thinking about how I pretty much lived kind of that same <laughs> life myself. And I was having a conversation with someone about, why has the death of Prince affected me so much? He was a guy I didn't know, but popular musicians who we grew up with, that we've idolized, that soundtracked our lives, make such an impact on our life that it is almost like we lost someone we knew. There, there very much is an imprint. Oh, uh, it's absolutely. a good soundtrack of your life. I love that. Because, I mean, he was of our age, I don't mean necessarily our chronological age, although he wasn't right. much older than us, but right. of our era, coming of age, much in the same way in films that the John Hughes movies, for good or for ill, sort of defined our generation. Prince very much had that sort of thumbprint on our lives. I mean, I don't know that I'm as deeply as affected by it as perhaps you are in the sense of how it deeply resonated, but it's just, it's the... I guess sort of the, the the shock of it and just the sense of loss too that is just it's a shame you know it's just it is a deep shame absolutely a shame the guy lived two lives you know he was all about sex and he was all about religion sometimes on the same album it is a bit of a dichotomy and I was actually fascinated to read about that that whole religious component of him because I knew of him or remembered his erotic or naughty lyrics or even, you know, profane lyrics. I think, in fact, it was even as a result of a couple of his songs that there was an organization, a grassroots organization was created. I don't know if it was putting warning labels on albums, but, you know, it was like one of these sort of self-righteous censorship groups, I would, you know, do-gooders. The Tipper Gore group? No, I think that was like, this was a different group, group, but it's like the same ilk, but it's just, but then to have on the flip side of that, this person who embodied all kinds of religious values and was a a prodigious donor to to causes Mm -hmm. and even as a Jehovah Witness apparently would go door to door, you know, proselytizing, which I thought was just, as you say, it was just like, wow, that's like a real weird split personality almost. Can you imagine him knocking on your door on a Saturday? (laughs) Can you seriously you know, be like, that? hey, dude, it's not Halloween. What's with the get up? You know, <laughs> you look like Prince, man. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that Carlin bit, the thing that hit me about it was 
the idea of this invisible man in the sky uh -huh. who is judging me every day of my life. And he's got 10 rules. And if I break any of these, <laughs> I get damned to eternal hell. And, you know, when you divorce yourself from it and think of it logically, yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy. You start to read it almost as every practical matter. It, yes. You know, it sounds like some goofy fairy tale right, or something. Absolutely. It sounds like a fairy tale. But it's a very dangerous fairy tale. <laughs> I gotta be honest, because a lot of people have died because yes, of this invisible yes. man in the sky. Yeah, of all religions and, and elks. Yes. Yeah, yeah, in the name yes. of God that we've we wound up in things like that. Do you consider yourself a religious guy? Obviously I won't compare you to Prince because we all know he was a saint. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Um no. No. You know, and the thing was once upon a time. My background was, and I think similar to yours, I raised Roman Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> we grew up together. Of course, you know, we well, went to you know, Catholic I mean, church. You know, I was like you, 12 years Catholic education, including, right. you know, obviously including high school. Was an altar boy for five years. Yeah, you were. In the transition from like eighth grade to freshman year high school, I started to give, I would say, fairly serious thought to entering the priesthood, which looking back on it now is laughable. You know, I mean, talk about being the sinner and that chastity. What, what, yeah, exactly. what, what is this chastity you speak chastity of? Thing, you know? I don't understand. There was a phase where I was deeply religious. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, just to break this off a little bit, I would say I was deeply religious, but perhaps not, I wouldn't necessarily equate that with deeply faithful, which may sound like a bit of a dichotomy in you, terms. Wait, wait a minute. You draw a distinction between the two? Yeah, in the sense that I think I was deeply religious in the sense that I was observant of the trappings and the mechanics, and I mean, I prayed every night and things like that. I think I always stole, even I was going through all those motions and everything, even harbored doubts while, I mean, there's, there's a, a famous story in my family. I think I was all of four years old, maybe five, and I just entered kindergarten, and I declared to my mother that I didn't believe in God because I couldn't see him. So right. Okay. Even then, I was a pragmatist. Yeah, there you, you know? go. There you you know, go. Doubting, That's rational. Doubting, you know, doubting no invisible man in the sky yeah, for right. you. You know, he's like, hey, you know, if I can't put my fingers uh, through right. the wounds in his hands, you That's know, it. hey, it ain't hey, happening, you know. But, um, we'll call you Tomas from now on. Th thank you very much. Exactly. And so, you know, and I would say in my senior year, I don't know, you know, I've been thinking about this. I'm not sure what my parting of ways, what happened, but there was just something where I was like, yeah, I'm sort of done with this. A schism? Some sort of thing, yeah. You know, and, and basically I would say I led a pretty secular life until, like, my sons were on the scene. And then you want them to grow up with Christian values, and so, you know, they got the sacraments. And then the truth is when my fiancé died, mm -hmm. I found myself going back to church, seeking solace and comfort in it. And I did that for a while. But, you know, and I've told the story before uh, on the show, but when my older son came out as being gay and the parish, they were having a, an attack of the vapors, you know, they were clutching their pearls and wow. being really stupid and small-minded and things like that. And at the same time, within weeks of all that, we had a parish priest who was busted for possession of child pornography. And nice. there was a, a parish leader who on the television news that night was saying, well, it wasn't like he was he was touching kids or anything. It wasn't like he was physically, you know, harming oh, any nice. kids, like defending this guy. And I'm like, the the hypocrisy just yeah. was like a tsunami for me. And that was it. I was like, I am so done. You're done. I'm done. I'm out of here. You know, exactly. Exactly. How about you, though? I have never been really religious, to be perfectly honest with okay. you. Okay. I, I got all the sacraments and all that stuff. Right. But, pff, I mean... I literally had to be beaten out of bed on Sundays to go to church. <laughs> but ironically, my parents didn't go. 
Oh, okay. See what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like yeah. that type of vibe. All right, well, it's good for the goose, but not right, for the Right, right. Do as thing. I say, not as I do. Right. I find it interesting that you draw a distinction between religiousness or being religious mm-hmm. and faith because do I believe in God? Yeah. I, I don't necessarily consider myself an agnostic or an atheist. Uh-huh. I believe there's a God and I, I respect others and I live what I think is a decent life. Right. I don't hurt other people. I try to respect their their space, their values, their views. I embrace everybody. Perhaps a little bit too a, much, a little on, too on much the yet. subway. I've well, heard the, complaints. The cops have talked to me about that. Okay. Well, I'm clear. You know, straighten it up. Absolutely. But again, I keep going back to that Carlin bit. I believe in the concept of God, but I don't necessarily believe that it's a dude with a beard who's like <laughs> giving me 10 rules and telling me, oh, you know what? You're gay. You're going to hell. <laughs> Oh, you know what? You got divorced. You're going to hell. Oh, you know, you, you, you ate meat on a Saturday. You know, you go, whatever. You yeah. know, it's just like. You it, see, it's funny because I'm not, I've actually gone to the place now where I would put myself pretty firmly in the camp of being an agnostic. I don't deny that there's a God. I don't, but I don't necessarily believe in one. You're I, back to your four-year-old self? Hey, yeah, I don't right. see it. That's right. Show, Show me, me the money. That's right. Exactly. You beat me to it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's like, I'm, I'm certainly not an atheist. I mean, I certainly don't rule it out, but I think there's just the very practical minded part of me. And, you know, there's just a, I, I, I don't know, maybe to like your point about the whole invisible man thing and the and the rules, and just on a larger sort of uh, uh, or almost organizational level in, in terms of the Roman Catholic Church, I think the world of this current pope, mm-hmm. he is the groovy pope. Yeah, he okay? is the groovy pope. You know, yeah. I mean, he's, I think he's just in, in, in a short amount of time has done really, I mean, no pun intended, performed miracles yeah. in the church. But not enough to, for me, to roll back what I perceive as the the, the the institutional harm that the ch- the church has done, and I right. mean institutional in terms of like the sexual abuse of kids, which has been right. well documented and the the decades of denial that went on with that. But even just as you you know you were saying, oh, you're divorced, you're going to hell, ate fish on Friday, going to, you know all that right. sort of stuff. Good Lord, the only guilt greater than Catholic guilt, I think, is Jewish guilt, and they're yeah. they're they're neck and neck. I mean, the whole thing of what was instilled in us in school was God's always watching. God forbid you should do anything that's going to offend him. Then, you know, you have to go to confession. And it's just like this whole thing. And like you, I I, I like to think of myself as embracing a certain set of values. Right. But I don't think they have to be through the prism of an organized religion, organization, hierarchy, whatever. It's like, maybe it's the great church of Chris and the great church right, of yeah, Pedro. Exactly. You know? That's it. You know, uh, hey, we'll, we'll get tax breaks and, you know, <laughs> that's it. I'll get that big bouffant hair going. <laughs> nice. You got to wear the funny hat. $40 million house and Thank somewhere. You. They could tithe to us right now. Yeah. Directly. There's yeah. a number that's going to be crawling right on the <laughs> Oh, no, we're on the radio, so they can't do it. The thing about religiousness, not faithfulness, right. but religiousness it's how people use it as a crutch and how people use it as a bludgeon and how it's used to justify horrific actions. That's bullshit. That's just wrong on so many levels. To use that as a weapon, I find distasteful and horrifying. I see this nonstop. And again, I'm not disrespecting Mm -hmm. those folks who believe and whose religion is is helping them and 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 you you know more power to you that's great i respect that you believe in what you believe you need to give me that same respect 
And that's the problem. When ah. that the, the problem I have is when you're standing on that side, cloaked in your shawl of religiosity, and you're judging me. Because you're a heathen or, or, because or a I'm non-believer. Not, because you're I don't believe in what they believe. Right, right. That's a problem. To your point, I think any belief, any core system— Taken to the extreme. Exactly. Crusades anybody? Or look at ISIS. I mean, fundamentally, that's you know, they're acting in accordance to what they see as their faith. Yeah. You know, it's going to sound kind of counterintuitive to what I just said, but there's a good number of, of friends I have on, on Facebook who are very expressive about their faith and mm-hmm. their religion, and as you say, more power to them. Yeah. And there's actually a part of me, and this is, like, this is going to sound perverse, that I'm actually— almost envious in a sense because they have that profound faith that they do draw comfort strength and comfort from and it's a bit of like well i'll have what she's having kind of thing how are you able to carry on like that is a source of both envy and sort of mystery to me truly you know maybe just as i gotten older i'm i don't think i'm more cynical but i'm just more I've lived a little bit more. Right. You know, seen more of, of the world, and particularly in our jobs, we see the world sort of unvarnished oh, and yeah. raw. Absolutely. So you don't look through the world and say, oh, gee, well, there's God acting through this earthquake in, in Ecuador that killed hundreds of people mm-hmm. or through these terrorist attacks. I mean, it's like, you know, the world doesn't make sense through that prism, and I think that's part of the reason why I can't wrap my head around it. Part of the point I was trying to make before about just giving responsibility away okay, it's all about God. God's taking care of me, and everything that happens is because of him. Mm. In other words, you, as a human being, you're denying your own free will? Right, Yeah. exactly. Okay. That, and, and I have real issues with that. Mm-hmm. Because again, it leads you to the point where you can m- make certain decisions and do certain things, and then feel completely guilt-free because, hey, it's what God wanted. Right, this right, This is what right. God wanted, and, you know, I'm just following orders. <laughs> right. You know, hey, it's in the Bible. So that stuff scares me fundamentally. Mm. You know, fundamentalists. Fundamentalists, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Scare the crap out of me. And, and I don't necessarily envy folks who are deeply committed to their religion. In a lot of ways, it scares me. I, I, get, I start like, Why? You know, mm. what's going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, I I instantly am skeptical about why they've devoted themselves so much to their church or why they're so devout. And I know for a fact that my father did the same thing. My father was exactly the same way. He was not about religion. I don't actually remember anyone, any male figure in my family stepping into a church unless it was a wedding or a, a funeral, funeral or anything like that. <laughs> wow. The women went every week up to a point. Right. You know, my grandmother used to try to go every day at one point. Right. But the, the, the male figures in my family, absolutely not. And my father was just as skeptical. I know my grandfather was as well. You know, it's like that's women's thing. My oh. grandfather would actually say that. Well, going to church, that's a woman's thing. Huh. You know what I mean? And I, I don't think that that's trailed into my thinking, but... I'm not necessarily active in imprinting any sort of religious doctrine on my kids. Mm, mm-hmm. I mean, we're Episcopalian now, and, you know, my kids are baptized in the whole nine yards, but we don't go to church every week. Right. Now, old school thinking, oh, you we're going to, to hell. Yeah, you, and you better be showing up yeah, at church. Yeah, absolutely, and you better be tithing or whatever the heck they call it and put it in that little plate and all that stuff. But my kids are respectful. Nice, decent, 
well-mannered. The church had nothing to do with it. Right. It was all their mom, by the way. Right. Exactly. Because yeah. yeah. I'm, Christ, I'm a total we were relying back. on you. you yeah. Know. Exactly. Exactly. Christ. <laughs> thank, thank you. Right. <laughs> So, I mean, again, and I, I may be oversimplifying things, and I understand that the whole religious thing is a very complex topic, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the point is, from our point of view, religion is not, for you and I, a source of inspiration or strength or anything like that. And I think in a lot of ways, we're coming at it the same way. We're kind of wondering why. I said before it was sort of a source of envy, and I, and at the same time, and I realize these are all sort of complex concepts, but at the same time, I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. Absolutely. But like you, I guess when I say envy, it's almost that that sense of wonder. Like, gee, am I am I missing out on something, or what am I missing? Like, right. what? How did you get to that place where you so embody this that it is part of the fabric, not just of your you know Sundays because you go to church, but really these are people who are practicing their faith, really literally day in and day out. Yeah. And. You know, as I say, I sort of admire that, and I'm also just sort of left in wonder, how do you get to such a place? But what's interesting, I was doing some some research on this, and this is uh, this is really quite quite striking to me. This is from the, the Pew Research Center, Religion and Public Life. This is a survey they did a couple of years ago. 53% of those surveyed described religion as very important, and 24% as somewhat important. Combined... 22% described religion as not too important or not at all. In other words, like, you know, less than a quarter. Mm. And so clearly we live in an age, and those numbers compared to the prior survey didn't really change yeah, dramatically. Changed I was really surprised at how how much of a bedrock of faith, religion, that, that, that it is in people's lives just based on this survey. It was a huge, huge sample size. But the other thing that this totally blew me away when they broke it down by generation or demographics, baby boomers, mm -hmm. the self-absorbed baby boomers, right. count themselves collectively 64% where religion was either very or somewhat important. And that, I was like... 64%? Wow. Yeah, the baby boomers? Yeah. I was like, holy that's pretty, shit. That's pretty weird. Yeah. I mean, I, I just What about us millennials? The millennials were, were yeah, us millennials. Yeah, it just took me a minute. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Let's, I'm, I'm working off of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with that totally. It, it was striking to me that, that among that generation, that those people were that imbued with their, their, their sense of religion. The, but the other thing was, this was also kind of interesting. Hold on and, a second. I got an About Men radio poll. You do. These numbers just came in. <laughs> 100% of the About Men radio posse in this room fall into the camp where it's not that important to them. <laughs> yeah. We're so the outliers, we had to create a yeah, separate absolutely. category. Absolutely. Like other plus. Other, <laughs> other plus. <laughs> Asterisk. Asterisk. Yeah. yeah, footnote for Chris yes. and Pedro. See here. Yes. You know. The same research center had done an in-depth study, and it said that People who are highly religious are more engaged with their extended families, more likely to volunteer, more involved in their communities, and generally happier with the way things are going in their lives. And I I think that is— That's what makes you envious. Yeah, well, I think that is—seriously, <laughs> I think that's it. It's like, it's like somehow there's a conductivity that I see reflected in people's lives that, you know, again, it, it's, it's being broadcast on Facebook, which, of course, is always the happy place. Of course. You yeah. know, but there is, there is some of that where— yeah, they're engaged in their community, they're with their family. You know, this was all very scientific, the way they parsed the results here and everything. But, for example, they said nearly half of highly religious Americans defined as those who say they pray every day and attend religious services each week gather with extended family at least once or twice a month. 
I'm like extended wow. extended family. Once or twice a month. I can barely stand to be with by myself with yeah, my own self, please, you know, much less my extended me? family. Oh, my hair's already gray. <laughs> it would fall out. <laughs> you know. So there's something anchoring those folks. And I think maybe you're right. Maybe that's the point of envy. But I I can't by the same token, I can't get myself to that place. I can't either. Absolutely not. And again, I want to I want to stress, I want to emphasize that we're not disrespecting or we're certainly not trying to disrespect people who are deeply religious. We're saying it right out. At least half of us are envious of it. And the other half is like, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and again, it's not a disrespectful why. It's like a curious like, what's going? What am I missing? Yeah. So we're not we're not judging you. Although you might be judging us right, right. now. <laughs> Condemning us to... And then it proves my point, people. Burning the pits of you hell. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? George said it right at the top. But those, those belief systems, clearly they are drawing some strength and comfort from that. And I just... I, you know, like, hey, Father John. Father John's a good example. He, Although, I think he's gone through his own. Like, we can't speak for him, obviously, right. but... Trials and tribulations. Right. And he is certainly not now. He came even closer to committing himself to religious life than yes. any of us. Yes. He actually almost was ordained as a Christian brother. Yes, that's true. But I'm almost positive he doesn't go to church anymore. And I think it's it was a crisis of faith mm-hmm. more than anything else. And he's an example. We call him Father John for a reason. He is our moral center. And even he has had doubts about religion and, and, and the role it plays in his life. So... And again, that kind of rocks my world because when we were kids, he oh. was the guy, you know, and we never made fun of him. We certainly never judged him no, or you no. know, teased him about it. The guy went to church every Sunday. He was deeply committed to the Catholic Church. We both respected that. All of us respected Yeah, no, and, and as you say, he was our moral compass. He was. You know, he would be the one to sort of like be, you know, in the proverbial cartoon with the angel and the devil yeah, on his yeah, shoulder, shoulder angel, he would right. be, you know, he would be the angel. In that I would, I'm always the devil, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's what I knew saying. that was coming. Yeah. I knew that was coming. Yeah. But from a male perspective, because I speak for all men. Yes. I don't know if you know this. Yes. <laughs> did, you, did, did you get the memo? I got the memo. You got the memo. I speak for all men. Most men I know will only go to church on Easter. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. They call them creasters. Right. They, 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 exactly. Christmas and Easter. Exactly. I guess it's the journalist in me or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but I really want to understand why it's so important. Are you lying to me that you're this happy because of your faith in God? Because if you are, that will totally rock my world. Right. Because then, then there's nothing to believe in. That's a good point because you go to that place, you say... Nobody can be this blissfully happy. Absolutely. And that's, like, that's what's me. wrong with you? That's me. That's exactly what I say. You know, I even say it out loud, like, please, there's no way you can be that happy. Again, I'm not disrespecting the people right. who are, but I need to know why. Well, and here's here's another, you know, again, I'm just a walking contradiction. When I tell my wife that I hope to have raised or have raised my sons as good Christian gentlemen, and she's like, well, the dichotomy there is for them to be Christians, they would have to believe in God. And I'm like, well, that's like just a sidelight. I want to embody the golden rule right. is really what I mean. Well, that's it. That's exactly how I'm raising my kids. I'm letting them choose their religious path. Mm, mm-hmm. If they want I'm not going to tell them. Like for we went to Catholic we went to church. We didn't have a choice. We didn't have a choice. This was it. We went to Catholic school in a lot of ways because we didn't have a choice. Yeah. I'm not making those decisions for my kids. And if they find their path 
their God, whatever you want to call it, more power to them. That's happy. As long as they don't try to convert me, I'm good. Right. I think that's when it starts to cross the line when the, the, the proselytizing becomes kind of in your face yeah, and a little exactly. bit a little bit pushy. Although I will say again, you know, I admire the people like on the subway stations who mm-hmm. are, you know, the street corners in Queens who are doing right. the pamphleting and stuff like that. I'm like, God, just more power to yeah, you. Yeah, that does know? not offend me at all. No, it's, no, not at all. They're, you know, they're like Prince knocking on doors on a Saturday. Absolutely, absolutely. Purple rain, purple rain. Got to pour one out for me. Yeah, we have to do. We definitely have to pour one out. I would say a prayer, but I don't pray. (laughs) Is that wrong? Is that wrong? That's absolutely wrong. You got any of the facts and figures there before no, the, no, the, the lightning bolt from the sky hits us and <laughs> burns us to a crisp? Before they all, all they find is ashes of the two of us? Yeah, I got invisible for your mother. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Boom. <laughs> well, they could use the ashes on Ash Wednesday. Yeah, that's you know? true. Oh, oh, wow. oh yes. you went there. I went there, yeah. Oh, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. But you know, it'd be interesting though, actually in, t- in hearing from people what their personal uh, trials and tribulations or their stories of their religious faith or lack thereof, how they incorporate religion in their lives. Just break it down, bro. People, explain it to us. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why is it so important? You got one guy who's envious and one guy who's confused. Yeah. So <laughs> fill us in. That's like two of the seven deadly yeah, sins right. right there. <laughs> that's right. You're going to hell. Yeah. You're going I'm to hell. Envy. You're going to hell. Yeah. Envy. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's hey, a bad c- one. Confused. That's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, of course, we tried to keep it together until we started with the snarky jokes yeah, and you making and me snort, yeah, but that's yeah, okay. They can write to us. Yeah, please do. And all joking aside, please do, folks, because this is a legit thing. I mean, we try to tackle subjects that are important to us, and it's obviously resonated with a lot of you folks. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, these are the things that we worry about as men of a certain age. So I'm assuming there are a lot of people, men and women, who are listening to this who have very similar thoughts. Which actually is a very good point. I will I will tell you that I do not think until like maybe say the past, you know, five, six years, that I've actually profoundly dived into this in deep in a deep, thoughtful kind of way. Right. Whereas before I just was sort of like bobbing along and you know, but but Maybe just with the experience of life and loss mm-hmm. and, and other things and watching your kids grow older, that I do find myself thinking more about these things. Not dwelling, not like obsessing, but just like going, you know, like, hmm, kind of a thing. And I think that is, a, you know, because we are men of a certain age. Right. I think I'm going to go, start going to church when I start losing my looks <laughs> and start facing my mortality. That's exactly when I'm going to go to Foxhole Catholic. That's right. That's me, baby. That's me. I got to work it, work it, work it. I'll I'll switch back from Episcopalian. I'll go back to Catholic just to cover my bases. Can I get like dual citizenship? Does that work? Just cover both bases. Instead of like lighting candles and, you know, we'll just like have a big fucking bonfire. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Hey, let me tell you. I also look good. I've been told I look good in a yarmulke. So I'll go triple nice. threat. Triple nice. threat. The religious trifecta. Yes, indeed, baby. Snap. <laughs> that would be nice. Well, there you go, folks. You know, you've just wasted a perfectly good <laughs> 30, mi- 30 minutes of your life. <laughs> then, you'll never, then you'll never get back. Never Not even in purgatory back. or heaven or hell. It, it, there's no going back. Yeah, but while you're at it, please tell your friends. <laughs> Tell your friends about the podcast and review us and rate us on iTunes. You know the Stitcher. drill, folks. You know, we're on yes. Facebook. Facebook, Stitcher. What's their email the address? email address is amr at aboutmenshow.com. Write us there. Yeah, and, yeah. We're know, on look, Twitter. All of us are on Twitter. Look for us by uh, name. Aboutmenradio.com. Check right. it out. You'll have a good time. Take us out of here.
All right. Thanks for listening, folks. And God bless. God bless. There you, you go. See? You're covering your bases. Nice. Nice.